0: Are you ready to head down the path to an abundant retirement? We're tackling the topics of the mind of the modern retiree, here on Navigating an Abundant Retirement Radio. And now, your host, Carol Dewey. Welcome back to Navigating an Abundant Retirement Radio. I am your host, Carol Dewey, and this week we'll be addressing inflation. Why are people talking about it and what it means for you? After years of being seemingly a non-issue, inflation is suddenly in the news again. Why is that and what does it mean to you? Let's start with a quick definition. Inflation is the gradual rise in prices and decline in purchasing power of your dollars over time. It's a measurement of a wide swath of goods and services, so even if the cost of one specific item for example, gasoline, is increasing, that isn't enough to cause inflation. So why the sudden concern? Well, inflation is at its highest level in 40 years. While some economists expected that the return to a more normal life would drive economic growth, the strength and speed of the rebound and the accompanying increase in inflation came as a surprise. Still, some economists are unconcerned and believe it's more of a blip due to things like temporary factors causing supply chain interruptions, the drive to quickly reopen the economy, or that the year-over-year comparisons pit current data against that of a year ago when many things were shut down. We then have to ask, is this really like past instances of inflation? People who remember the high prolonged inflation of the 1970s and early 1980s may be justifiably concerned to hear that it may return to rear its ugly head. Now, I was not old enough to personally experience the high inflation effects during this time period, but my husband has enough years on me that he grumbles about how he remembers trying to buy his first home and having to pay 15 to 16 percent on a 30-year mortgage. Now looking back on the data during that time, I did find that continued hikes in the Fed funds rate did push 30-year fixed rate mortgages to an all-time high of 18.63% in 1981. But again, some economists point out some important differences between then and now. So let's go over those. There were several factors that collided to create the inflation of the 70s. Among them, misguided economic policy. There were two oil price shocks. Do you remember the OPEC embargo? And, of course, political pressure to maintain low inflation and unemployment in the short term despite the long term costs. Now, the lessons learned during that period have led to a better understanding of monetary policy, according to the economists. Now, many economists, including Ben Bernanke, former chair of the Federal Reserve System, which is the Central Bank of the United States, believed that public expectations play a critical role in driving inflation. If sellers expect high inflation, they set prices higher. If employees expect high inflation, they ask for higher wages. In the extended period of inflation in the 1970s and early 1980s, this cycle became self-perpetuating. Today, however, many consumers like me have no experience with high inflation and are less likely to expect it. Now, I would say that inflation is a stealth tax. In reality, inflation is starting to cause real problems for Americans. Almost two-thirds of Americans are now living paycheck to paycheck. One highly respected economist, Charles Goodhart, believes we will see high inflation for many years and central banks around the globe are listening to him. If we have just 7% inflation for five years, we lose one third of the purchasing power of our money. If we have a 7% inflation for 10 years, we lose 50% of the purchasing power of our money. Now I consider that a tax. Now, that is a way for government to tax us without calling it a tax. What is so damning is that the tax applies to everyone, even poor people. If you are one of the two-thirds of Americans whose income is around $50,000, in five years, you lose $17,000 of purchasing power. In 10 years, your $50,000 now only buys $25,000 of goods and services. Inflation will be an exasperating problem for everyone. If you are already retired, living off your savings, inflation will put you in a particularly difficult situation. Your income is possibly and potentially fixed, and essentially the price of everything has gone up. So what can you do to protect your nest egg? Well, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal there's No Perfect Way to Inflation-Proof Your Investments. It was by Anne Turgeson, And the article examines the pros and cons of almost every product or investment claiming to protect your nest egg from inflation. William Bernstein is one of the independent investment advisors that is interviewed in the article. And he would say, and, and I agree with, is that there is no good answer or no perfect answer. So we're going to cover a couple of them that were covered in the article, and then hopefully we'll be smarter by doing so. Option one is to delay your Social Security benefits. So the pros for delaying Social Security benefits are that the payment is going to go up. If you're new to the conversation here, if you're uh, under full retirement age, you're kind of wearing off a penalty every year. So you're getting about a 5% increase. If you decide to wait until after your full retirement age, now you're getting on the gravy train, and it's about an 8% increase every year. Benefits are also adjusted annually to reflect increases in the Labor Department's CPIW, which is a measurement of inflation affecting blue-collar workers. So an example from the article, someone born after January 1, 1960 was entitled to $2,025 a month at age 62 but would receive $3,587 before cost of living adjustments because we just don't know those yet by holding off to claim those at age 70 now with a 5% inflation adjustment the benefit available at age 70 would actually be $5300 according to bill reichenstein who is head of research at socialsecuritysolutions.com which sells social security Claiming advice. The cons of delaying could be either age or health dependent. You know, if you or your spouse don't live long enough or have a long enough life expect- expectancy, you could potentially not live long enough for your break even age. Now, it was mentioned in the article, so I wanted to pass on that wisdom, but personally, as an advisor, I don't like doing the break even math on Social Security because I think It has those kind of folks focused on the wrong thing. We want to look at our joint life expectancy if we're married, but it was mentioned in the article, so I wanted to pass it along. I-bonds. I-bonds are the bell of the ball, at least lately. According to the article, I-bonds are the best form of inflation protection. They are inflation-protected U.S. savings bonds that are guaranteed to cover their principal plus inflation over 30 years. Their 30-year fixed rate has an inflation rate that adjusts semi-annually and tracks the Labor Department's CPIU, which is a measurement of urban inflation. You can buy them directly at treasurydirect.gov. And just a price quote from the article, today the yield on a regular U.S. 30-year Treasury bond is 2.24%. The I-bond's initial annualized yield is 7.12%. 7.12 annualized yield. Now that's a big yield, but at 7.5% inflation, it better be, right? They are I-bonds after all. Now with its fixed rate currently at zero, I-bonds won't beat inflation, but since yields on conventional treasury bonds are now negative, When inflation is taken into account, the real rate, I-bonds have a clear advantage, says Mike Irie, who is a non-resident senior fellow at Brookings Institute, who oversaw national retirement policy at the U.S. Treasury Department during both the Clinton and Obama administrations. So those are the pros. What are the cons? The cons are that you can only purchase $10,000 a year plus an extra $5,000, but only if that $5,000 is in the form of a federal tax return. The article also states that holders of I-bonds are barred from cashing them in for the first 12 months and lose 3% or 3 months worth of interest if they redeem them within the first 5 years. You know, I just had a chat with a client in the last few weeks or so about I-bonds. And if you've got extra cash, not something that's in an IRA or retirement fund, but if you have extra cash, that's above and beyond what you consider as part of your emergency fund. Say you're comfortable with $30,000 in an emergency fund, but you haven't been traveling as much or going out as much or doing as much, maybe due to COVID or whatever reason. And now you find yourself with an extra $10,000. Well, that would be a great place for that extra $10,000. The I-bonds could be a great place to stash some of that extra cash. Now, it wasn't mentioned in the article as a specific con. The next one is stocks and commodities. As far as stocks and commodities, the article lists several suggestions based on research on eight periods over the last 100 years that, that the Treasury Direct website is just awful. So I guess buyer beware that, but if you do want a guaranteed rate high, that might be worth it to you. And again, remember it's it's limited to $10,000 a year. So do the math on what's 7% a year on $10,000. And if it's going to be a big hassle for you or you're going to not potentially be worth it. But if you're looking for a guaranteed inflation return, that's where you're going to find it. Next is TIPS. This is a Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, also known as TIPS, and they are bonds with coupon payments that adjust to keep pace with the Consumer Price Index and are backed by the U.S. government. So from the article, the bond market currently expects inflation over the next decade to average about 2.46%. And that's the difference between the minus 0.51 inflation-adjusted yield on the 10-year TIPS and the 1.95 nominal yield on the regular 10-year Treasury note. If CPI averages more than 2.46 over that time, TIPS will deliver a higher total return than the Treasuries will. If inflation is below 2.46, the conventional treasury will outperform. You can also buy tips through treasurydirect.com, but through a broker, most financial advisors, or there are tip funds that you can invest in as well. So those are the pros. Now, what are the cons? Well, they're very costly. Even though last year tips returned nearly 6% as inflation jumped, like they're supposed to do, This year, rising interest rates are creating problems for bond prices. Now, the next one in the list is stocks and commodities. As far as stocks and commodities, the article lists several suggestions based on research on eight periods over the last 100 years in which U.S. inflation was at least 5% or higher for at least six months. The research found that the return on inflation adjusted stocks averaged minus 7% annualized. So here are some suggestions for stocks and commodities based on that research. This is from the article. These are people recommending somewhat specific areas of the market, something that I'm not going to do on the show, but it is mentioned in the article, so I do want to pass it along. The article recommends to shift money from worse-performing sectors during inflation, which will likely include consumer durable stocks, such as automakers, and into the energy and natural resources stocks that tend to fare best. Historical data suggests that real estate investment trusts, or REITs, may do very well since landlords in the past have often been able to raise rents to keep pace with inflation. From the article, another potential asset is commodities given the price of metals, oil, and agricultural products tend to hold their value or even outperform in inflationary surges. Now that's from uh, Professor Harvey. Investors typically purchase them via funds that buy commodities futures because commodities have big performance swings. Amy Arnott, a portfolio strategist at Morningstar, recommends capping portfolio exposure at 3% or potentially less. With prices up sharply this year, investors risk buying at a high point in the cycle, she added. Again, that's her recommendation, not mine. We don't invest directly in commodities. But we do, however, invest in real estate with a small portion which should be a great um, inflation hedge. And we'll talk about our favorite inflation hedge coming up. Well, I guess we could just address that now. So for me personally, and it doesn't specifically mention this in the article as far as total stock exposure, but when we think about our retirement income guardrails, when we think about counting how many months of income we want, not in the stock market in bonds and cash, we always come back to that 60-40 stock-to-bond portfolio. One of the reasons is that if you're taking out 4 or 5 6% a year, kind of that normal retirement income withdrawal percentage, you know you've got anywhere from 6 to 10 years that you aren't selling stocks when they're down. That's one reason we like 60-40. The other reason is that the 60 of the 60-40, that 60% stocks, tend to be a fantastic inflation hedge in that we simply outgrow inflation. Among the 60% stocks, it's going to be the best companies in the world. Many of these are very large companies that have tremendous market share, and they're going to have enough market share that they can raise prices more than inflation. So in fact, by investing in the best companies in the world, we are on the other side of inflation but when we go to the grocery store, we're on the wrong side of inflation. But we, when we own stock in the grocery store, now we're back on the right side of inflation. So buy stocks, have your portfolio, two thirds of your portfolio in stocks. If you can handle that, if your risk tolerance can handle that, well, then you're probably going to uh, pace inflation pretty well. And then finally, the grand poobah of inflation investments is gold. Now, this is from the article, and I'll sum up my thoughts on it right at the end in a very succinct fashion. A pro from the gold community is that the article states that gold has kept up with inflation. The con is that gold has kept up with inflation over very long time periods, such as the entire past century. But over a shorter period, there is high volatility. So I think I would reword that to say gold might pace inflation eventually, but you might not live long enough to catch up with eventually. So I'm not a gold fan. Let me reword that a little bit. Buy gold if you want to hedge inflation, but don't buy gold as part of a doomsday scenario. And oftentimes those are potentially the same people that are telling you to buy gold for various reasons. But I'm not a big fan. And I think we can stick with the 60% stocks, index funds, and ETFs, and we'll be golden. But I guess we'll see. Check in with me in about 100 years, and we'll see how we did. Now, what can you do? Prepare, but don't panic. While some economists don't see inflation as a long-term issue, there are some dissenting opinions, so it's good to be prepared. As always, I recommend having a written financial strategy. That considers your situation, goals, and timeline. In general, cash and fixed income products, for example CDs, might be more likely to take a hit from inflation since your money just doesn't go as far. In summary, it might be a good time to take a fresh look at your asset mix. That's all I've got planned for you this week. Until next time, remember that Navigating Your Abundant Retirement starts today. I'd like to encourage you to continue our journey of enlightenment and education by subscribing to our podcast and downloading the show. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes as a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of returns are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. Carol Dewey is an investment advisor representative of Perpetual Wealth Financial, a Florida-registered investment advisor firm.